0: this morning, Genesis chapter 37. How many of you appreciate your physical eyes today? I'll tell you what, you need to use your spiritual eyes to see what Brother Peter was just singing about. You know, we don't need our physical eyes as much as we need our spiritual eyes. And so many have commented, I know that God used Helen Keller and many, that uh, God chose to take the physical aspect away, but I believe they saw far greater things, and one day our faith's going to become sight. And I'm looking forward to that day, and as we continue our series today, uh, if you have your Bibles there, Genesis 37, and uh, the Lord put on my heart to use uh, the life of Joseph as we think about our theme, it is well. Last week, we we began this matter of Joseph's life, and we kind of... We're farther along in his life, we're backing up today in Genesis 37, and this morning's message is entitled, It Is Well in Hostility. Anybody understand hostility? <laughs> we live in a hostile world, don't we? Especially towards Christians. And uh, I hope this morning God would use his message in your heart the way he has just worked on my heart all week about this, and so let's begin reading in verse number one of chapter 37, Genesis. The Bible says, Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brother brethren, And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he had made a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren. They hated him, and they could not speak peaceably unto him. Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. Behold, your sheaves Stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed to dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God, for it is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray today that your word would not return void, that it would do that which you intended it to do. Lord, may we receive the news from you this morning, from your word, better than Joseph's brothers received the word and the news. And I pray that you'd help us to have the right attitude, the right spirit towards those that may not understand, that may treat us in a bad way. But Lord, we do rejoice in the fact, and it is well, because we know that no matter what people do to us or say about us, that it is well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. There's a true account that was given years ago about an evangelist who His wife, when the family was young, his wife suddenly passed away and this evangelist prayed about and thought about, should I continue to be an evangelist? Because to be an evangelist means you have to be on the road and you have to be away for either a short or a longer period of time. And you see, the evangelist was thinking about the fact that he had two sons, two young sons, And so he hired a babysitter to care for his sons when he was gone on the road. And when he came back from his evangelistic meetings, he always would bring these two boys, his sons, presents. But one time he returned from a trip and he forgot the presents that he brought every other time he had come home. And he told his sons, he said, I'll I'll tell you what, here's what I'll do. I'm going to take you to the store and I'm going to let you buy whatever you want. And so they arrived at the store and uh, they saw many things. One of the first things that caught their attention was the candy counter. Those, kid, those two boys just focused in and they saw this candy and they wanted the candy. And their father said to them, uh, boys, why don't we look around a little bit more? So as they traveled around the store, they came to the toy department. The boys went into this portion of the store and they saw some cowboy suits and they saw some guns and holsters and ropes and cowboy hats. And boy, they got excited about that. And they said, this is what we want. And their dad said, well, listen, why don't we look around a little bit more? And so they walked around, they came to a section in the store it had a sign that said, Sporting Goods. They walked in there, and they immediately found some basketballs. and They began to dribble the basketballs and have some fun with the basketballs, and they decided that's what they wanted. And their dad said to them, let's look around just a little bit more. And they made their way towards the back of the store, and up against the back wall of this huge store, there was some bicycles back there. They spotted those bicycles. There were two really nice 10-speed bicycles sitting there. And their father said to them, how would you like those bikes? You see, those boys left the store with those bicycles. They, they came wanting certain things and It all began with the candy, but what happened was is that they ended up with far more than they bargained for because their father refused to let them settle for less. I think a lot of times that's what happens in our lives. God has so much more for us, but we settle for less. See, the reality in the story was the father intended to buy those bikes all along. That was the purpose of going to the store. I mean, those boys thought that candy would be wonderful, but their father had something far more wonderful in mind. That reminds me of the story of Joseph. We read in the passage this morning, Joseph, teenagers, was just 17 years old. When we come to Genesis chapter 37. Although he was a teenager, what You find in Joseph's life at this time is that Joseph, uh, his, his character, his behavior exhibited the fact that even though he was just 17, he had strong, firm convictions. This is something we see early on. His life proves that I think we can easily understand that you don't have to be older to have strong convictions. We see this many times even in the Word of God. Joseph's life demonstrates that no matter how dark the circumstances and clouds around us and how diligent the the critics are, that God has something special for us. I hope you believe that this morning. God has something special for you. Don't settle for less than what your heavenly Father wants for your life. Notice a couple things about Joseph in the passage we read this morning. I see, first of all, that there is a special person inside you. Now, this isn't one of those uh, messages where I, I try to build you up and try to make you feel good and all this type of stuff. This is actually from the illustration of Joseph in the Word of God, how God was trying to help Joseph understand, Joseph, you're a special person to me. I have something very special for your life. And you study early on in Joseph's life, his father's name was Jacob. And Jacob had, of uh, course, early on in his life, we, we know the story where Jacob ended up, thought he married uh, one wife and, and, and got tricked and married another one. And, of course, he went through that whole situation. And his wife, Rachel, the one that he loved, and of course Leah was the one that he ended up marrying first of all, that Rachel was barren. She had no children. And, and in, early on in, in the situation in, in Jacob's uh, family is that Jacob was uh, not really understanding all that his wives were going through because of of Rachel being barren. She could not have children. She watched as not only Leah but also two other women began to give birth uh, to children, to Jacob. And so we see that, that Rachel was watching all of this with envy and despair as Leah and Bilhah and Zilpah bore sons to Jacob. By the time that Joseph came around, Jacob already had 10 sons. Now, of course, sons were uh, a blessing to families because of farming, because of uh, the chores and many things like that. And, So I'll tell you this, it's it's far better to be number one than it is to be number ten. But early on, this is what happens in Joseph's life. And I want to tell you a couple things about Joseph this morning because as you come across the passage before us, it's evident that Joseph was different. He was different than his brothers. The one thing that you find in... Joseph's life and the Word of God that really kind of stands out is Joseph's purity. Joseph is the one that, in his life, because of his purity, it brought him many blessings from God. God honored his life, and can I encourage you in your life to have a pure heart for God? And the Bible tells us in Philippians two that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine his lights in the world. See, it was plain to see that Joseph stood out from his other brothers. There was something definitely different about his commitment, his character, but yet the Bible says that because of Joseph being different, that his brothers hated him. matter of fact, it says they hated him the more. The more Joseph shared with them, they hated him more and more. I mean, in these 11 verses we read, we read how the father loved him, but his brothers hated him. You see, Joseph was different. But notice being different, different in the way Joseph was different, can be socially unacceptable. You see, it certainly was to his brothers. But it was the purity in Joseph's life that actually brought him the trouble that he experienced, the suffering from the enemies in his life. Purity, as somebody said, purity promotes the finest of blessings, but it also provokes the foulest of buffetings. We live in a world today, especially, that people in the world will tell us that we need to just get along. That's what's being promoted in the world today. Everyone wants to be accepted in this world. But what did Jesus say in John 15, verse 19? If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. See, if you were just like the world today, the world wouldn't have an issue with you. Are you with me this morning? But notice the rest of what Jesus said. Because you are not of the world, But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Joseph was different. It's evident why his brothers hated him. Because he was different. He wasn't like the other ten. And the Bible says that, that look, we are not of this world, and if we're not of this world, then the world's going to hate us just the way Joseph's brothers hated him. See, as a a teenager, also in the Bible, Daniel. Daniel was a young man when he was taken into a foreign land in captivity. What did Daniel do? As a teenager, Daniel took a stand, a firm stand. He had convictions just like Joseph did. And and in Daniel's day, that stand that Daniel took was equivalent to social suicide. But Daniel took his stand. He chose to be different. And you know what happened? You read the story. God blessed Daniel. You see, it's okay to be socially unacceptable in this world if we're living for God. See, he was different. And that difference was not acceptable to even his own brothers and at times even his father. Because notice thirdly that being different is okay. See Joseph lived godly in an early age. He and listen because he lived a godly life that saved him from much loss in his life. The secret, listen to this, to popularity, if you want to be popular, the secret to popularity is conformity. You look at all these people running for the office of president of the United States. They want to be popular, so what are they doing? They're trying to conform to this world. But what does the Bible tell Christians? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. That's what a Christian does. It's logical that a Christian lives a holy life a life that's acceptable unto God. And the Bible says, and be not conformed to this world. See, God says, look, don't let this world press you into its mold. You know why Daniel was hated? Because he wasn't like everyone else. He was different. And notice, being different as we are different Be different because you are different. See, when we come to Genesis 37, if we back up a little bit, here's what we find is that there were four occasions about Joseph in the Bible. In each one of these four instances or four occasions in the life of Joseph, Joseph is seen, watch this, in the position of a son. Now, there's something special about that. Because you know, if you're saved this morning, how many of you know the Lord is your Savior? Then according to the word of God, God looks at you the same way Joseph is viewed in those four instances. God sees you as a son or ladies as a daughter. Notice what the Bible says in John 1.12. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Love the song As the songwriter wrote, Though poor on this earth, oh, why should I care? Since glorious things for me God doth prepare. Though trials abound, yet still I may sing. All glory to God, I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King, a child of the King. With Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the King. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, look at this, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son and if a son then an heir of God through Christ folks listen here's a lesson for all of us to learn from the life of Joseph that the earlier we begin our lives to live for God the less will be wasted years with their ruin and scars so many people want to test the waters want to straddle the fence want to be just like the world, only to wake up someday saying, how did I get in this mess? The Bible tells us and gives us a great admonition in Acts 5, Peter and the other apostles answered, listen to these words, we ought to obey who? God rather than man. You see, it's okay to be different if you're being different for God. You see, I find that there was a special person in Joseph. And I believe this morning that God is trying to show you from the life of Joseph that there is a special person inside of you. Notice secondly, there's a special plan for you. You know what that plan is? It's God's plan. Go back to our passage this morning. Look at verse number five. At the plan and how God gives it to Joseph Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more look at verse 9 and he dreamed yet another dream the Bible says you see God was revealing the future to Joseph God was showing Joseph what he had for his life I mean in other words when you look at this God was saying to Joseph that one day, according to the word of God, all the resources that's represented by those sheaves and all the rulers, what's represented by those stars, that in other words, everything and everyone would eventually bow down to Joseph. I'll tell you who Joseph is in the Bible. He's a beautiful type of the Lord Jesus Christ. That one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, that's the the plan. God had a special plan for Joseph's life, and God has a special plan for your life. Look what it says. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Oh yeah, there's always going to be those who try to smother your dreams like they did to Joseph, and and Joseph's brothers mocked him for his dreams, and there's always going to be those that that lack faith, that don't have vision. I mean, I read how that years ago, back in, in, in the early days of inventions, that Alexander Graham Bell's father-in-law called the telephone, listen to this, he called the telephone a toy no one will play with. Can you believe that, teenagers? How many of you have a, have a telephone with you today? Raise your hand. Almost everybody. I mean, listen, the days of, the other day I saw something on, on, on a show and it was a, remember these pay phones? Yeah. You know, my granddaughter kind of looked at it like, what is that, poppy? His father-in-law said, ah, that's just wasted time. You know what he was doing? He was trying to squash his dreams. <laughs> Back in 1899, Charles Duell He was the director of the United States Patent Office. He made this statement. This is the actual statement, 1899. Here's what he said. In 1899, everything that can be invented has been invented. In 1899. Listen to this. Within five years of that statement, the first human voice was heard over the radio waves, The first automobile was built, the Wright brothers flew a powered airplane, and the photoelectric cell was developed in less than five years of him making that statement. There is always going to be critics. And regardless of what they say, do not let anyone kill your dreams, especially when those dreams come from God, when God shares something with you. See, like Joseph, listen, this morning, you are a special purpose, and God has created you for a special reason, and you need to realize that as God worked in Joseph's life, that God wants to work in your life, and during the storms and the battle of life, there are times, just like in Joseph's life, where it seems like that the only thing that you have left are those dreams that God's given to you. I will tell you, and I'm I'm not asking for sympathy today. But when you share every year with a church family, the vision that God gives you for the people of God, people might not say, that's an awful toy, Pastor, and no one will ever play with it. But oftentimes you can see it in people's eyes, as if they're saying, that will never fly. But I will tell you this. I refuse, like Joseph, to let someone pour water on the fire that God's put in my heart. And I'm not just saying that about myself. I'm telling you this morning as a Christian, when God puts something in your heart, don't let others, like Joseph's brothers, try to stop you from doing what God has for your life. You see, Joseph... He was a special person. God had a special plan for him. But notice along with God's plans, notice there are special problems. I'm sure you've encountered some in your life. And Joseph did too. He look back at this passage and it reminds me of how somebody said years ago, heavenly honor seldom brings earthly honor. Oftentimes when God gives us something, the world. Look what it says in John 17. God says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Joseph experienced hostility from his brothers, and watch this, rebuke from his father. Don't you love family? (laughs) Notice they... The problems that Joseph encountered, they hated him for his vesture. Look, look at verse 3. Now Israel, and that's a synonymous name for Jacob. Remember, God changed his name. The Bible says, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. You probably, if you grew up in church, you probably remember this story very well. I mean, I never really heard it until I was almost an adult. It's a neat story. I, I did a little study in, about this coach. I think oftentimes people run with things, kind of like they, people show you pictures of Jesus all the time, and I'm like, where'd you get that from? Because nobody really knows what Jesus looks like. And and a lot of times you see these coats depicted where you see all these colors, one color right after another, and you see many variations of what this coat would be. Now, I began to go back to some of the Bible customs and things that would have have been more accurate, and what many believe is that this this coat of many colors was a long-sleeved robe that actually reached down to Joseph's ankles, long robe had sleeves in it. There were other coats that did not have sleeves. They just had a, had a hole in them that you would slip it over to your head and maybe you would, you would cinch it up around the waist. But this was one that actually had sleeves in it and went down to his ankles. And uh, many times some of these would be brightly colored. They actually would have maybe some embroidery on them, uh, some etching on them. Its significance of this coat, though, as I began to look more and more into this, is that because it was a coat with sleeves and went to his ankles, the significance of the coat was it indicated rank. The person that wore a robe like this was considered to be a master. It was considered to be somebody in authority. The common laborers They would wear a coat also, but their coat was a shorter coat. Joseph's coat was a coat that went down to his ankles. And when Jacob gave Joseph this coat of many colors, it clearly indicated not only to Joseph, but to his brothers and everybody else that saw it, it indicated that Joseph was going to have prominence over his brothers in the family's administration. Now what's interesting is, is that this coat normally would have been given to the eldest. Anybody remember who the eldest son of Jacob is? Reuben. So you think about that, I mean, why was it given to Joseph and not to Reuben? Well, the answer is found in the Word of God, because of Joseph's purity, because of Joseph's character. You see, even Jacob saw something in Joseph that he didn't see in his first ten sons. Say, Pastor, are you stretching that? Go to the Word of God. It says that his brothers, all of them, hated. There was hatred in their heart. And so Joseph was given this code. Now, no doubt, I've heard a lot of people talk about this over the years, about parental favoritism and you know, I learned that lesson early on. You don't favor one child over the next. Amen. You love them all the same. Now, they're all different. But a lot of people have talked about this, and, and I really believe when you look at it, look at just the very words of the Bible, and here's what it says. He loved Joseph because he was the son of his old age. He was the son that God said, you're going to have someday. He was the one that he waited so long for. Now, I really believe Jacob loved all of his children. But I believe there was a special fondness for Joseph. And and again, this was, I believe, because Joseph was more wise, more prudent than all of his other brothers. But see, there were special problems. And one of the problems was they hated him for his vesture. Notice the second thing I see in, in, in his problem situation is they hated him for his visions. The Bible tells us, and we won't go back, but in verses 5 and verse number 10 and verse, even verse number 11, the Bible says his brethren, they envied him. So we see here how his, they, they, they hated these visions that he had. Now remember, these visions came from who? They came from God. So they were divine revelations. God was giving these dreams to Joseph. And as I think about this, they were privileged. Joseph was a privileged man to receive these. Now, when I think about this, Joseph in his day, and I've got a real nice, small, slim line, easy to carry, easy to read Bible in my hands today. But in Joseph's day, they did not have the written Word of God. They didn't have the completed scriptures, all 66 books of the Bible. And so understand that God many times would communicate in ways that we don't see today and we don't need dreams today. We have the word of God. We have our divine revelation from God's word. And I'm going to tell you something, God's word is far superior than even our dreams today. I trust God's word. You know why? Because it's truth. It's reliable. There's not one error in the word of God. But see, they, they did not like these visions, these dreams that, that Joseph had. And the Bible says in Romans 16, look at this, talking about the word of God, the divine revelation today, now is manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. The Bible tells us that God has revealed himself to us through his word. And God has given us his divine revelation. And yet as Joseph was sharing that day, these dreams, this divine revelation, what happened? His brothers hated him for it. Now they hated it because they hated hearing the fact that Joseph was number 10. And number one to number nine was going to have to bow down to him. And you never find an older sibling ever wanting to give way to a younger one. They hated to hear this. His own father rebuked him. And I looked that word up in the original Hebrew language, it means to scream at sharply. Even Jacob is thinking, Joseph. I mean, he's the one that gave him the coat, And the Bible says he rebuked him, but yet through God's revelation, what was God showing not only to Joseph, but to his father and to his brethren? God was revealing the supremacy of Joseph over his brothers and over the whole house of Israel someday. God was giving his approval, his appointment of Joseph. You say, well, What's the significance of that? Well, the Bible says this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable. Look at, it's profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And here, apply this to Joseph's life, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Everything that happened In Joseph's life, it was all a part of God's plan. And everything that happens in your life is all a part of God's plan for your life. See, it's obvious. Listen to me now. It's obvious that the trials of Joseph's life, even at his early age, 17 years of age, that those trials built into him the character and the faith that Joseph exhibited throughout the rest of his life. And that's what God's doing in your life and mine. Is God is allowing the things, even listen, even the problems to work in our lives to help us even through times of hostility to be able to say it's well. God is working. This is his plan. And the question this morning is this, how do you respond to the problems of life? How have you handled them? I see how Joseph handled his and one of the ways that Joseph was able to handle the problems, look at the last point this morning. There was a special person with him, and there's a special person with you. See, in everything Joseph faced, he had a helper. He had a companion. The Lord was with Joseph, and God was turning his trouble into triumph. God was working through this. He brought all of Joseph's dreams to pass, and. Joseph learned a lesson, a valuable lesson that I hope you have learned in your life, but if not, here it is. Look at it. 1 Peter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And if you humble yourself, look at this. God says that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. How many of you could take great peace in that thought right there. Amen. See listen, you you learn like Joseph to humble yourself. And in due time, in God's timing, He will exalt you. That's what he's. We're going to look at that in the days ahead. Joseph never stopped believing. Joseph never stopped trusting God. He didn't flinch at what God had allowed into his life. And the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You just keep serving God. There was a man that. Arrived at a little league baseball game, and when he came to this baseball game, he looked at the scoreboard in the outfield and he saw the score was 21 to 0. He looked at that score a couple times and he thought, 21 to 0? And he looked over because the one team was batting, and that was the team with the 21, and the other team that had zero. They were out on the field, they were playing in the field, but there was one little boy sitting on the bench. All of his teammates were out, and they were just being pounded, 21 runs. And the man goes over behind the dugout, and he says to the little boy, he says, "Uh, uh, excuse me, son, he says, "Uh, it looks pretty bad for your team. And the little boy turned around, and he says to the man, he says, oh, it's okay, he says, we haven't come up to bat yet. You ever felt like in your life when you look around, you see what's going on in your life, that it just seems like the world and the flesh and the devil are winning? It's 21 to nothing. You haven't come up to bat yet. God has something very special for your life. God's on your side, and Can I tell you, just like that little boy, you're going to win. Why? Because God has something special for your life. Can I encourage you today? Just keep dreaming and just keep trusting God. Keep serving the Lord. God's preparing a great victory for your life. Some of you may have never, ever in your life swung a golf club. Maybe you've been putt-putting but there's a big golf tournament every year called the Masters. And if you've ever seen it on the news or maybe watched it and most people don't watch golfing. But the winner of that tournament since 1949 the winner of that tournament gets the coveted green jacket. I mean, I don't even know if I'd want one of those. But aside from their, their winnings, the money that they receive, and probably a trophy, they get this jacket. And so since 1949, people are awarded this jacket. Now, I started to look at that a little bit. They, they play that tournament in Augusta, Georgia. And I thought, that's a nice jacket. But I think there's a different jacket I'd rather have. Let's see that other jacket. As best I could tell from studying it out, many believe that right there is what Joseph's coat of many colors would have looked like. The embroidered colors, if you look at it, you probably can't see it from where you're at. But the stitching that's on there, many believe that that's probably would have been more indicative of the jacket, the coat, the robe that Joseph would have wore. Joseph received that from his father as a place of prominence. But then I got real excited as I thought about that because the Bible mentions that we're going to receive a different coat. Look what it says in Isaiah 61 there in your notes. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God for he, not not Jacob, God hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. The robe of righteousness. Look, the Bible tells us our righteousness is as filthy rags. But if you know Christ today, his righteousness has been imputed unto us. That robe, not the green jacket, not the coat of many colors, but the robe of righteousness. The Bible says here that God hath clothed us. I'm excited about that robe of righteousness because it attires us appropriate for for the position that we gain, and that is gained through the Lord Jesus Christ through our salvation. But then I found something interesting. If you look back at that green jacket, I didn't know this, but the traditional green master's jacket that's awarded to the winner of that tournament, it has to be returned after one year. They don't get to keep it. Now, they keep them all in some sort of closet or whatever, maybe on display. Jack Nicholas is the all-time, has six. They actually said that, that if they win it again, that they get the same jacket back that they won before. They said unless they have to resize it, meaning they got bigger. Tiger Woods, as great as he is, he has five of those. But do you know that the robe of righteousness does never have to be returned? That God gave us that when we got saved. And that is ours to enjoy for all of eternity. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? And I want you to think about that. The, The green jacket, it's temporal. It's annual. They get it for a year. But the robe of righteousness, it's eternal. Do you know the Lord is your Savior today? Could you say with all certainty that I know that if I were to die today, that heaven would be my home because I've put my faith in Jesus. I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone. How many of you could say that by an upraised hand this morning? I'm saved and I know it. What a wonderful sight. You can put those hands down. If you could not raise your hand, can I tell you this morning that Jesus Christ has given his life? We'll look at that tonight as we observe the Lord's table. He shed his precious blood, God's blood. John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Only God can forgive us of our sins. Jesus said, if you want to go to heaven, I'm the way, the truth, the life. If you're not saved today, then why don't you open your heart and receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Is there anyone here this morning that would be honest with God by an upraised hand this morning would say, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm not sure, but I'd like to know for sure that heaven would be my home. I need to be saved. Would you raise your hand this morning? Just raise it up and you could put it right back down. No one's looking around. I'm not saved. I'm not sure that I would go to heaven someday. Just put your hand right up and you put it right back down. Anyone at all. How many this morning by an upraised hand could say, I can identify with Joseph, how his brothers treated him. This world is a hostile place, especially to those who are different, different meaning people trying to live for Christ. How many of you could raise your hand? I've experienced some of that. And I'm glad that the Lord's been my helper. Would you raise your hand this morning? Just like Joseph, I'm glad God's been my companion. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed. I wonder this morning as the piano's playing, if you need to be saved or maybe you want to come this morning and just thank the Lord for being there for you. Some of you might want to come this morning and say, God's put some things in my heart, but when I share them with other people, they... They kind of mock me, they laugh at me, they ridicule me. Maybe you want to come this morning and say, Lord, help me to just do that which you want for my life. Would you come this morning? The altar's open. Whatever the need you have this morning, did you come to do business with God? Why don't you come today?